some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. I kept good on my word. When I ripped the NXT title off of Keith Lee's carcass. Like flesh from bone. But one should know. When you go to war, you should expect casualties on all sides. My shoulder, separated. I'm in searing pain, but you know what? I love it. It brings me to life. However, I'm a realist. And I understand the reality of the situation. There's no way they're going to let me defend the NXT championship in this condition. So. On the path, there are obstacles. But for me, the obstacles are the path. This changes absolutely nothing. Doomsday is still coming. Because no matter where the time is told, in the end, everybody pays the toll. And God help the obstacles that will be in my path. Tick-tock.
In the words of the Luminous One, Keith Lee, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to episode 220 of the Hoots Podcast, the show which is the greater good for professional wrestling fans and people around the United States and all around the world. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm recording this bad boy on a Thursday. As you guys know, it's recorded day when it's Thursday. It's August 27, 2020. Welcome to the show, everybody watching us on YouTube. By the way, you can subscribe to the Hoots Podcast on a lot of different platforms. Starting off here with YouTube, youtube.com backslash the Hoots Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss any of the video versions of this podcast. And if you want to hear audio version and you don't want to look at this ugly mug, uh, I don't blame you. Um, you could <laughs> subscribe to the Hoots Podcast audio episodes with all the production elements. You can find those at Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, a lot of different platforms. The show is brought to you by Anchor.fm. If you are interested in starting your own podcast, whether it's about professional wrestling, paranormal activity, sports, wherever folks, but whatever topics you're interested in, make sure to check out the Who's Podcast and uh, check out Anchor if you want to get started. You don't have to pay anything. It's it's really free. You could go to Anchor.fm. Start your own podcast and make money out of it. And I'm a testament, guys. <laughs> doing this podcast and doing my transcripts, I have been able to pay off my taxes doing this shit. So <laughs> it, it, it works. It's It's been a labor of love. I love doing this. I love coming on here and talking with you guys, talk about professional wrestling in a fun matter, trying to give you some advice along the way. And remind you, folks, this is not only just a wrestling podcast. This is a live podcast. You want to uh, get an escape from the real world issues right now, this is the place for you. But I'd be remiss without mentioning real life topics because this show doesn't refrain from any real dialogue, unlike a lot of shows. So before we get into what we really need to get to in the beginning, I just want to say make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Want to say thank you to everybody who takes time to check out those articles or the ones that I share on uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com, which used to be known as Lords of Pain. I uh, just want to thank you guys again for all the support. So we got a lot to get into. We got a crazy wrestling weekend. Just just went down in Orlando, Florida for the WWE. They had SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver 30. And also uh, talk about what happened on AEW Dynamite. And uh, we have a particular segment on this podcast known as What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? Now, for those who are watching the video version, you won't be able to hear Brother Carter. But if you subscribe to the audio version, you'll get not only a Thoughts of Derrico this week, but a bonus <laughs> What the Hell is Wrong with AEW this week. So while I won't fully trash everything AEW is doing right now, I'll make sure to plug and preview what's going to happen on Dynamite tonight as I'm recording this on Thursday. It's crazy. I got a busy ass day. So um, thank you guys for the support. And really quick, I want to give a shout out to the good brother of Good Brothers King HR for coming on the Who's Podcast feed over the weekend. We had a really fun conversation about the state of professional wrestling media in 2020. And, I, you know, having the first time to have a really deep, in-depth conversation about Notorious B.I.G. who's one of my biggest life models. So uh, I just want to give a shout out to King. Uh, he did a great job, and I had a blast having him on the show. So let's do that again down the road. And one last thing to plug. Um, guess what, folks? I'm going to be a guest 
on the TBD Wrestling Podcast this week with Mitchell Mick McMule and the one and only referee Tony S, or as I like to call him, Mr. Mr. S. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> um, before we get into wrestling, I want to get into this uh, stuff that's going on in the world. Um, unless you're living in a bunker, uh, if you don't look outside, I forgot which, uh, you remember the movie Lottery Ticket where uh, Ice Cube was an old man and he, he just never left his basement or anything like that. And he was like an old school boss, boxer or whatever. If you're that type of person that's just stuck in your basement and letting reality pass you by, um, I hope you don't take what I see on here in this episode out of context because this is very important. And, you know, for those who've been watching and listening to this podcast every single week since we've been doing these shows for the last four years, thank you for the support. And thank you for um, being open and letting me come on here and talk about some really hard-hitting life topics. Um, you know, I've talked about police brutality. i talked about politics. i talked about mental health. Over the last couple of weeks, I've shared some stuff about relationships as well. And maybe that's another element of the Hoots podcast that I can bring on to here as the weeks go by and give you guys some relationship advice. Because it's, it's been a topic that I've really been studying a lot recently. And um, like I said, this show is a live podcast. I want you guys who are watching or listening to my voice right now, I want you guys to feel like I'm sitting next to you and Joshi and me and you, the listener, are having a conversation. While I can't hear your responses, I want your responses. If you have anything you ever disagree with me when it comes to this show, where it's wrestling or anything I say, let me know. Reach out to me. I'm at Twitter, The Who's Podcast. You can check me out on Instagram, JoshyLopez94. And I'm here for you. I want to interact with you. This show is for you guys. It's not just only for myself. And I think I owe it to you guys to come on here and have some real dialogue that you probably wouldn't get anywhere else. And there's a lot to process when it comes to 2020. I'm I'm at the point where I can understand that I basically all, all of us in general have lost a year of our life out of this coronavirus pandemic. And my thoughts are with every family that's been affected by this virus, uh, people who've lost family members along the way. It's just a shitty situation, and there's no way to really make sense out of it. And it should have happened, but here we are, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we had a lot of bad issues coming along the way, suicides, people stalking and trying to kidnap people. Uh, we had the George Floyd incident, you know? I've come on here and I've done my ranting and I've been pissed off. I, I'm, I'm sure those who watched the George Floyd episode saw how pissed off I was. And sometimes when you have one thing toppling over another with bad news, it gets to the point where you get your tipping point where you're just numb to it because I could come on here and pop a blood vessel and scream to the top of my lungs about how we have no self-respect and that ha- how all our issues around the world come through what we were raised in. And we can get into these political debates and everybody wants to twist one thing to fit their narrative. But at the end of the day, the root issue of common dialogue in today's society is from within. You have to look within yourself to 
understand where other people are coming from. To understand that just because somebody looks different than you, or sounds different than you, or has a different belief system than you, that doesn't mean you have the right to cast aspersions on them, put your fucking knee on their necks, or shoot them in the back. And I hear the news about Jacob Blake. It's the biggest news story in the world right now. Jacob Blake got shot seven times. He's currently paralyzed. They'll never know if he'll be able to walk again. Thank God he didn't die. And there's reports and there's media members around there trying to cover up the situation. Well, you know, Jacob Black had a sketchy past. Uh, He's made a lot of bad decisions. So in a roundabout way, you can understand why the police officers shoot him. No. I'm always stuck in this envious – I'm stuck in this really – Rough position when it comes to talking about these topics because I have uncles from my dad's side of the family who are policemen. My cousin Gina is a police officer here in the city of Chicago, and I worry about their safety every single day. I worry about my cousin's safety every day. Not because of a particular race, just the things that come with being a cop and putting their bodies on the line for all of us. And you still have these fucking ignorant, selfish assholes who continue to put their own agenda and their own belief system into being justified to shooting somebody. Does Jason Van Dyke read, ring a bell? Does uh, the guy Chauvin from the George Floyd incident, does he ring a bell? More and more videos keep coming out here, and more and more I keep seeing people making excuses for these shootings. And we can't twist this into just what the person was or what they did. When a guy is, okay, I'm addressing you. I'm trying to handle the situation properly. Uh, You want to arrest me? Good. Go ahead. These guys, these police officers right now are trigger happy. And people make excuses for it. It's just absolutely mind-numbing to me. We can't continue to sit in this freaking bubble that we're in and live with a robotic mentality that just because our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents were either Republicans or Democrats or whatever side of the fence you are, whatever was passed down onto you doesn't always have to be your reality. I think we would have a better understanding of each other if we actually had a better understanding of ourselves and took the time to look ourselves in the mirror and understand right from wrong. What happened to Jacob Blake has absolutely nothing to do with Joe Biden versus Donald Trump in the debates and this ridiculous Republican National Convention that's going on right now. Um, NBA players are protesting and uh, postponing their games right now. I saw today the Chicago Bears canceled their practice today because of what's going on, and we have the Black Lives Matter movie going on, and 
from my point of view, more power to them. And I'm proud of them for taking a stand that sometimes more than not, real life is more important than what we think is important in real life. I think we're really rooted in what's passed down onto us and money. I think that's the two issues that people run into every single day because I always hear the expression, oh, follow the money. Follow the money. Always leads you in the right path. Follow the money. So follow the money means making excuses for police officers. Following the money means, um, you know, just being an irrational person or being a racist. Follow the money. Uh, and just, again, I always say it, every issue that comes throughout this world, whether it's racism, uh, mental health, whatever the issue is, starts at home. And I think a lot of parents around the world need to do a better fucking job. And I think a lot of us in this country specifically really need to start changing our thought processes because there's such a robotic mentality towards every aspect of life. Is it good to have core beliefs and family traditions and values and all that shit? Yes. But that doesn't mean that those core values should dictate understanding what's right and wrong. Shooting somebody seven times in the back with kids fucking three feet from the shooting is not good. Putting your knee on somebody for eight minutes and 46 seconds is not good. It's not right. And for those who continue to make excuses and trying to say, oh, this is just another spin to show that Donald Trump is not worthy of being the president. Guys, Donald Trump wasn't worthy of being president before he got elected. Our country is out of touch with reality. And a lot of people don't want to admit that. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that because it's the truth hurts sometimes. People don't want to acknowledge the truth. We, as a country, are out of touch with reality. We push, we push things to the side for whatever fits our agenda. We push things to the side because we don't want to engage in real dialogue. We push things to the side because we can't see through what's being passed down onto us internally. And I, I have no sympathy for people who are making excuses for what happened to Jacob Blake or George Floyd. I have no sympathy for people who make excuses for fucking idiots from Antioch, a white dude, going late at night, killing protesters during the middle of a pandemic. And they're saying he's justified because he's protecting his property. And, oh, the the way that people are spinning that more people would be afraid and nervous around somebody who's African American or in my case Latino than a fucking schmuck with an AR fifteen shooting people live while a protest is going on? Are you kidding me? We're all we're all the problem, and that's what nobody wants to pay attention to. We are too selfish 
for our own good. I think the coronavirus is another example of that. The way we treat the world, the way we handle ourselves as human beings throughout the day, just in general, I'm not surprised that we had a pandemic shut us down like this. Does it suck? Hell yeah, it sucks. All of us have lost a year of our lives because of this pandemic. And in some cases, some people really did lose their lives over this pandemic. And yeah, we can always revert this back to politics. But what are politics going to do? We It's been fucking 25 years and they still haven't figured out what the hell happened to Tupac and Biggie. They let freaking OJ go and get acquitted. I don't know how people can sit within themselves and think that politicians are going to make changes when you have over centuries and centuries and centuries of evidence that they're not going to. Guys, in this country, and for those who didn't vote in 2016 like myself, it it kills me. I, I feel in the back of my head every day I wake up knowing that if I had to vote for somebody else, maybe Donald Trump would not be the president right now. You don't think that hurts me in the inside? I didn't vote for anybody that year. We allow a guy who's trying to pull off a, a publicity sign end up being a president. It starts right there. <laughs> we don't know what we want or what we want to acknowledge or what change do we really want to be implemented. Because we're too selfish for our own good. We can't get out of our own bubble. There's too many robots in this society that are at a certain age and from a certain generation that they're stuck to their core beliefs and there's no way for you to change their mind on anything that's from right from wrong. And they want to spit it to, oh, just millennials just want to rag on Republicans and blah, 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 blah. Guys, I'm not a Republican or Democratic for a reason because they're both flawed. I'm a human being, and I can think for myself. Understanding right from wrong is really not that complicated of a pro- uh, uh, it's not It's not something that should be that complicated on the surface, you know? It makes no sense that you would look down on somebody or put physical harm on somebody just because they look different or sound different to you. And for anybody to try to tell somebody who's African-American that... Oh, why why are you so concerned about somebody pulling you over? You don't know what those per- what those people are going through. You've never been in their shoes. You've never been in their shoes. We have no contentment for each other. We have contentment for money and what benefits us because we're selfish. We're ignorant. We're apprehensive to real dialogue. We're apprehensive of understanding other people's beliefs. And why is it that you always see people have issues with communication? Because somebody says something different that you disagree with, you get butthurt about it without having actual dialogue. You know, people hide behind their money and their core beliefs from real life issues. And it's not just police brutality. It's racism. It's 
sexism, it's mental health, it's sexual abuse, it's domestic violence, the list goes on and on and on. And all these issues start from within. You can't cause change when you're not able to realize it within. You can't. My thoughts are with Jacob Blake's family. And anybody is going to try to convince me that just because Jacob Blake has a sketchy patch, that's a reason for the police officer to shoot him seven times, you can go fuck yourself as far as I'm concerned. Because that's just not the way to handle a situation. Arrest a dude and do your fucking job. How about that? How about that? Yeah, I could curse on you because this is a podcast. Would I be able to say this on a live radio show? No. I I understand the power that I have and the platform that this show gives me and the platform that this podcast gives me. I'm speaking from my heart, and I'm giving you guys some real truth that nobody wants to tell you the, t- the truth. Because we're too selfish for our own good to actually acknowledge our own problems. And nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect either. But I could understand right from wrong. And what happened to Jacob Blake was wrong. And for people to thump their nose at NBA players and baseball players and the NFL teams who decide not to practice or play right now, shame on you. Shame on you. Now, let's have some fun. Let me take a sweet water for the working man. Where do we want to start? You know what? Let's start off with NXT TakeOver 30, okay? I don't know if we'll have enough time to do uh, this week in WWE because I just got a lot of stuff going on today. But I really did want to hit on the major shows that happened on the weekend, uh, let you guys know what's going on with New Japan, and then wrap it up with AEW. So NXT had their 30th TakeOver special this last Saturday night at Full Sail University. Kind of bummed out. That Mauro Ronaldo is not on the show, but Mauro has other um, priorities and commitments. Uh, he's not only just strictly tied down to NXT. So, of course, you know me, I I love Mauro Ronaldo. He's like my transcript compass. Like, he leads me when it comes to doing transcripts and learning moves and sequences and all that stuff. So, I love Mauro Ronaldo and what he does as a play-by-play commentator. Um, but... He had a suitable replacement, and one of my favorite WWE play-by-play announcers right now, Vic Joseph, held the held the duties with Corey Graves, a guy who uh, got to call the first NXT Takeover ever, and um, a guy who's just very talented uh, color commentator right now on Friday Night SmackDown, and of course with the lovely and beautiful WWE Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix. So that was your commentary team for NXT Takeover Thirty. Collectively, as a show, I thought it was really good. And you always hear the kind of phrase, do you ever realize there's a bad takeover? I I don't remember one. If I could pick one off the top of my head, I'd probably say the first NXT TakeOver London. I wasn't that too crazy about that show in general. But um, for the most part, every takeover has been really good. And... 30 years and, you know, having the pandemic hovering over us really took a lot of elements of what could have been of the show and what other enjoyment aspects you could have had with the show. But with the pandemic and everything going into this event last Saturday, I thought NXT did a pretty good job. 
Uh, it was an eventful show. We had new champions. Uh, there was announcements of returns. There was really good matches. And what we're going to start off here with is Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. I, I had the privilege and the honor to come back on Wrestling TWT. That's uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday for you folks. Go check out that podcast with my mentor, Jonathan Hood, who's the co-host on Cap and J Hood on ESPN 1000. WMVP. Chicago. Uh, make sure you go support Hoodie's podcast. I'm going to be on there next week as well. Uh, so we were recapping NXT and SummerSlam, right? I was a guest on his show this week, and uh, I was telling him, man, it's like having Pat McAfee look more at home in the ring than Cain Velasquez did when he started doing his program with Brock Lesnar. I thought that was very telling. And Pat McAfee it's not just a general celebrity or talkie head that comes into pro wrestling and thinks they can do it and spin the face of it. This guy's a big fan. You've heard him multiple times on Busted Open. He's a big fan. He appreciates the art of professional wrestling, the storytelling aspect of it. He's a fan. He loves this business just like any of us or any of the performers that are in that show on Saturday. And it showed. Would I say he's a guy that could do this every week? He could be a serious WWE superstar. I'm not there yet. But for somebody who's transcribed a lot of matches with a lot of different people of all walks of life in a lot of these wrestling companies, I was very impressed. And I'm a wrestling purist. And a lot of people go into this show is like, why is it a punter, a punter fighting one of the best wrestlers in the world? We found out why. Because Adam Cole can have a good match with a broomstick. That's why. And, you know, just the fact that McAfee agreed and the selling aspects of the moves he did take, like the Yushi Garoshi or the backstabber, the other signature moves that Adam Cole does all the time. Hell, (laughs) Pat McAfee took... A Panama Sunrise, a Canadian Destroyer. Think about that. And I was just really impressed, man. Uh, Anna Cole could have an amazing match with a broom. By the way, one of my – I'll pat myself on the shoulder really quick. Uh, one of my coolest moments on Twitter right now is the fact that I am followed on Twitter by Anna Cole, which is really cool. I was supposed to interview him one time on my old Pro Wrestling Experience show, but we had a scheduling conflict, so we weren't able to do it. But I hope I can do it sometime down the road, and that would be a lot of fun to interview and meet Adam Cole one day. I'm just a big fan of his, and I love what he does in the ring. So I loved the match with Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. Will I call it five stars or whatever the fuck the <laughs> ratings are these days? No. But I really enjoyed it. And like my earlier point, it just, I just found it interesting that Pat McAfee looked more at home in the ring than Cain Velasquez um, when he fought Brock Lesnar. So uh, other stuff that stood out to the show for me, uh, my favorite match of the show was Dakota Kai against Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. I don't know. Over the last couple of months, I've been just having a growing crush and just mark it out for Dakota Kai recently. Obviously, she's a beautiful woman, but uh, just – 
the character work she's doing, the stuff she's doing to ring, uh, a consistency point of view as far as in-ring content, in-ring uh, execution. Uh, Dakota Kai is one of the best in the world, and so is Io Shirai. And I knew these two were going to rip it up. Uh, you know, Adam Cole and Pat McAfee, their match was the most talked about match of the show, and justifiably so for certain reasons. But from a pure transcript point of view, I thought these ladies killed it, and it was my favorite match to transcribe on Saturday night. It was really, really good. Um, speaking of good, uh, we had the ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, going to the moon. And uh, Johnny Gargano, the Velveteen Dream, and the Barican Good Brother, Damian Priest. Damian Priest, your brand new NXT North American Champion. Right call. Right time, right decision. Um, this uh, this ladder match would definitely get a lot of bigger pots with their with a real crowd there. Uh, I'll say that right off the bat. Um, this match, this ladder match, was very unique in a lot of different innovative ways that other ladder matches have been produced over the years. Uh, I, I told Hoodie like this is like the ultimate buffet of a ladder match. You had. Uh, Guys that are bigger, guys that are tall, gimmicks, heels, baby faces, all the above. Uh, Shades of Grey characters. Um, I thought all five guys uh, did a really good job. And it was I was really happy to see Damian Priest become NXT North American Champion. He's been doing a lot of good stuff on NXT. And he's one of my favorite performers to watch. So uh, big props to the Barikin Oos, and he definitely deserves that title. Now to the other stuff from the show. Uh, let me scroll back a little bit to the first match, which was I'm trying to remember right now. Uh, man, why is this slipping my head right now? Um, I'm gonna pull this up really quick. I I, I remember the name. I just forgot what the first. Match was you guys got you guys got handle with me like I've been just going nonstop with uh, transcripts over the last couple of days so my memory is kind of blurry. Plus I saw a match on Tuesday that made me never want to watch wrestling again too at the same time. So, <laughs> um, oh Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher, there you go. First match show Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher, really good pure technical wrestling match that I just really enjoyed and really like what Finn Balor's been doing on NXT. Uh, You know, he's doing a lot of good in-ring work. I'm a big fan of Timothy Thatcher. He can work for any promotion. Um, I just like that style of wrestling, you know, just a really good technical-based wrestling match, and there's some strong style in there. There's some British technical wrestling. You know, you got Thatcher's grappling-based uh, wrestling matches, and uh, I, I just thought both the guys did a really good job there. Obviously, they don't have a big feud or program with each other, but you know, when it comes to takeovers, you always have a match that's just a good, hard hitting barn burner of a match. So, I really liked what I saw from Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher. I'll bring up Finn Balor uh, in a moment, but I had to mention the main event. Carry uh, across against Keith Lee for the NXT Championship. This was Keith Lee's final show um, as a member of NXT. He lost to Killer Cross via the Avalanche Doomsday Saido Suplex. Carry across is your brand new NXT Champion 
for uh, for that time. Um, I thought the match was uh, pretty solid. Um, you know, I, I for a Hoss match, I thought it was pretty good. Would I say this was an A-plus match or anything like that? Probably no, but I enjoyed it for what it was. And, boy, I got to tell you, man, Scarlet Bordeaux Waterfall, just big thumbs up, man. Lake Michigan, Gibson Steakhouse. I would say the Michael Jordan Restaurant Waterfall, but uh, they they put the restaurant away. I can't even mention Dickens either because that closed too. So <laughs> any references to Chicago, you could attach Waterfall to that for Scarlet Bordeaux. So you're welcome. <laughs> Now, let's get to the real news, man, because last night we had NXT. Show started off with Breeze Angle becoming the brand new NXT Tag Team Champions, feeding the team of Eichner and Barthel, probably the most underrated tag team in all professional wrestling right now. Really good, strong tag team title match. Uh, nice to see Breeze Angle get their first actual titles as members of the WWE, so that was always cool to see that. And then the big news that really came out of this show last night was announcement from William Regal. Coming up this Tuesday in a very special edition of NXT, it's being dubbed NXT Super Tuesday, it's going to be Adam Cole versus Finn Balor against Johnny Gargano versus the returning Tommaso Ciampa in a fatal four-way 60-minute Ironman match for the vacated NXT Championship. And I said vacated because Killer Cross relinquished the title at the beginning of the show. And this cut, again, another awesome promo. Um, I told Hoodie, man, when you look at Killer Cross, he has everything you want in a WWE superstar. Look, appeal, aura, presence, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, uh, in-ring skills, promos. Body, all of it. Scarlet Bordeaux, like I just mentioned. <laughs> the whole presentation. Killer Cross is awesome. Uh, I'm a mark for him. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'm really bummed out that he has to leave and relinquish the title. And he, um, he has to separate shoulders. So I want to send my thoughts with Killer Cross and hope he has a speedy recovery. I just, I love the dude. Uh, I, I enjoyed him when I first saw him in Lucha Underground. Uh, the work he did on Impact as a heel. Um, he, he was doing a lot of good stuff in, in Impact Wrestling. And now here he is in NXT. He just became an NXT champion. There's some sh- shitty circumstances. He separated his shoulder during the match with Keith Lee. So, um, As Killer Cross said last night on NXT, you know, at, at the end, everybody uh, pays the toll, right? No matter where the time is told, in the end, everybody pays the toll. And I can't wait to see Killer Cross come back. But this match that was announced, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Finn Balor, and Tommaso Ciampa in a four-way Ironman match. He got my head spinning right now. I, I don't even know how I could logistically write all that down in one match in a transcript. I don't know how much that match is going to take over for that uh, NXT show next week. Obviously, the show's two hours, so um, the start time is 
up in the air. We'll see what happens. But I'm <laughs> I'm just really intrigued by it. the the concept of a Iron Man match with these many people. I never I've I've done I covered Iron Man matches before, but I never did a four way or triple threat Iron Man match before. But four guys and all these guys that have had matches where you had gazillion false finishes. So obviously the concept of a Iron Man match, you have to have the most uh, amount of victories in the allotted time that the Iron Man match is set at, right? Uh, we just saw another good Iron Man match on Impact Wrestling this week with Diana Prazo and Jordan Grace. So this match coming up on Tuesday is going to be an absolute barn burner, uh, slobber knocker, whatever phrase you want to attach to it, even before the bell rings. Um, I was wondering what would be the over and unders for the, like, super kicks, step-up insigurities, knee strikes, pump kicks. What would be the over-unders for those? I'm, I'd am i be curious for to see your responses for that. But, uh, you know, this is really cool not to – I'll tell you guys, I was – I was kind of nervous to see if they were going to do another tournament because I I think I covered over 20 tournaments so far this year with a lot of different promotions and stuff. Uh, collectively, I think I did 20 tournaments so far. So the fact that they're doing a four-way match that's this innovative, maybe in the uh, maybe the match psychology probably won't have as much sense as you would expect, but... I'm curious, man. I'm intrigued. It's going to be a challenge for me to jot down. And I, like I mentioned on Twitter last night, the only sucky part about this is that I can't watch it uh, live or at least do the transcript live because on Tuesday nights I'm working at my uncle's tattoo shop and uh, I don't get home till like 11 o'clock and then I got to do dark and impact. And sometimes I don't get to bed uh, into early Wednesday morning because I got to do those articles when I get home from the shop. So I'm bummed out by that, but don't you worry, guys. I will indeed um, have a transcript for you guys ready that Wednesday morning or afternoon. I will do it. I will cover that show for you guys, and I'm really excited to see what they do. As far as predictions for that match, I I, I can see two rots here. I think it's very convenient that Tommaso Ciampa is back. After Karrion Cross having to relinquish himself, being the fact that Karrion Cross was one that took Tommaso Ciampa off of TV for two months, I think that would be a good choice there. Or you could go with Finn Balor, but there's going to be twists and turns. I'm very curious to see what happens with Adam Cole if he doesn't win this match. You could say maybe Johnny Gargano sneaks it out, maybe, but. I, I, I'm I really stuck between Tommaso Ciampa and Finn Balor as far as who I actually think are going to win this match. This is a pick em. I mean, any of these four guys can win. And this is, a, this is the time where, uh, or this is like the scenarios where you don't care who wins. You just want to see an awesome match. And I'm sure we're going to get an awesome match. So all of this, I'm just really, really excited. I'm really giddy and inside and ready to jot this match down next Wednesday. And, um, Man, I, I just think the cots is interesting. A four-way Iron Man match. Insane. Let me take a little while real quick. So we go from NXT TakeOver 30 inside Full Sail, uh, Full Sail University into the WWE 
Thunderdome for the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam. I got to give props to WWE. First off, the Thunderdome concept and the layout is dope. Um, as far as execution, as far as getting crowd noise and uh, virtual screens and all that stuff, obviously there's going to be some kinks they have to get out of the way. I'm, I'm kind of annoyed with the fact that Nimrods want to take it upon themselves to put pictures of KKK and other just unnecessary pictures to ruin the fun for other wrestling fans. Um, I think the concept is cool to have a Thunderdome there. And, you know, you get the big stage, you get the big fight feel again. It doesn't feel, it doesn't, I wouldn't say watered down. It's just a, a tempered down type of scenario where, uh, okay, we're in the PC, but you're not getting the full ambience of what WWE is from an entertainment point of view and just, Collectively, like when you watch shows in the Thunderdome, you could feel every essence of what WWE is because WWE has always been the company that's sold out these basketball arenas and had shows in these basketball arenas around the world. This is the biggest company in the world, and you have that feeling when you're watching these shows in the Thunderdome. Visually, it's cool. You know, you got the pyro and Bauhu, you got the cool lights, the lasers, and all this. All the shit, like, you know, seeing uh, the Fiend's entrance was awesome. You know, just a lot of different stuff you could do with entrances. It makes it feel bigger. And I, like I said, told Hoodie, you see the Thunderdome. And, you know, you always hear the saying about Vince McMahon. He's always about the sizzle as opposed to the steak. Well, that there's a reason for that. When you see these performers, these wrestlers, these superstars come out on this biggest stage... There's a bigger essence that's thrust upon them. And then it's upon them and everybody behind the scenes to tell that story to get you invested going forward. So I want to give props to WWE for that. And the second thing I want to give props to WWE for is that, you know, in my opinion, this year has been a good year for WWE when it comes to executing good pay-per-views especially the big four pay-per-views. And what I mean by that is you look at the Royal Rumble this year in Houston, which was the second-to-last pay-per-view they were able to do with, with fans before the pandemic started. And just an awesome experience, you know. You had the return of Edge there, and the Royal Rumble was a lot of fun this year, right? And then you go... It's WrestleMania. No no stadium. I was supposed to be down there, right? <laughs> um, everybody's bummed down the fact that WrestleMania is not WrestleMania with the stage and everything, right? They make it a two-night event, and they made the most of it, and it was a really fun show for both nights. You had the Boneyard match. You had the Firefly Funhouse match. Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte for the NXT Women's title other matches I could list on, get to see Drew McIntyre get his moment and become the WWE champion. Uh, WWE just posted a new 24 special on the two-night WrestleMania event this year, and it was really good. Really recommend you guys go check that out. And then you go into this show for SummerSlam, and again, just a really good, strong, in-ring-based quality pay-per-view 
in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the fact that we don't have crowds there, and the fact that, okay, was it the full SummerSlam feel that you would get in the past? No, just like it was a few months ago with WrestleMania. But it felt big enough to me that it justified what was on that show. And props to the talent. Um, I, had, I had my nerves a little bit about as far as they're going to overdo some of the DQ or roll-up finishes because um, coming up on Sunday, uh, we got the payback pay-per-view. By the way, at the end of the podcast this week, I'm going to give you my lineup for the payback show coming up on Sunday. But just overall, I just thought it was a really good, solid show. Really, really good pay-per-view for the Big Four show. And, you know, yet matches that stood out to me. I really enjoyed the Sasha Banks uh, Oscar match for the Raw Women's title. Um, you know, getting to see the match with the Street Profits against Angel Garza and um, uh, Andrade was pretty good for the tag titles as well. There wasn't a match on the show that I felt overstate is welcome. Um, being remiss without mentioning what's going on with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Um, obviously, anybody could say that match could have been better, but if you watch the match, you can just tell they're not there. <laughs> like, they're there. You see the beautiful essence of Mandy Rose, but you can tell in the performance that she wasn't there and neither was Sonya. And I just hope Sonya's in a better place going forward and I'll wait to the time where she comes back to wrestle again. Um, but, you know, that that's probably the only negative takeaway you could uh, have for this show. But at the same time, like, you understand why that performance was what it was. Um, let's get into this. Drew McIntyre against Randy Orton for the WWE title. This match was awesome. And... I thought this title match was really telling because so many times in all these different promotions, you have world title matches that have such an over-reliance on false finishes and kickouts and, like I said, uh, lack of selling and whatever the situation is. But the, the, the true art of what Ring Orton and Drew McIntyre pulled off there was the fact that they were able to tell a 20-plus-minute story without hitting any of their finishers. And then the complaint was the fact that Randy Orton lost via the backslide cover to Drew McIntyre. You watch any of these wrestling shows from the past, they have it available to you right now on the network. You watch AWA, World Class Championship Wrestling, um, Georgia Championship Wrestling, uh, Mid-South, UWF, uh, AWA, the NWA. You see these performers all around the world winning matches with backslides, body slams, back body drops. I told Hoodie, I saw a match, literally, Dick Slater against Jake Robinson, the Sam Houston Coliseum. Uh, Dick Slater won, uh, I think, the North American title with a flying axe handle. And <laughs> the particular move that ends the match isn't the most important thing. You need to have that move fit with the story that you're being in the story that you're telling in the match. Okay. You can do a avalanche death rider, or as they call it an AW paradigm shift. Okay. Awesome. 
but does it really mean anything? Okay, you just hit a cool finisher, but what does that do for you? You just shrug your shoulders and you say, what's next? Now, with this finish, Drew McIntyre outsmarted Randy Orton and did a backslide cover. Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton at his own game. And you want to see what happens next. It's two different things. Okay, let's say Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton with the Claymore. Okay, cool. Uh, you're building up Randy Orton, and that's just that. Okay, he just lost. He just loses to uh, Drew McIntyre. What's next? You have another reason to care, and another reason for them to, to continue feud with each other. I don't know whether Drew McIntyre will be the WWE champion by the time the fans come back to the arenas. I hope so. I do. Uh, I'm a fan of Drew McIntyre. I enjoy his work. But you just never know. You you never know. So I thought Drew and Randy did a really good job of their match. I really enjoyed it. And the fact that folks are whining over the fact that a wrestling move finished a world title match for a wrestling belt, I just think that's just absolutely ridiculous. But what else is new with wrestling fans in 2020? They don't know what they want. They don't know what they want, pal. (laughs) They don't know what they want. All right. Let's talk about the other two big matches that happened on the show. Dominic against Seth Rollins. I've been preaching this for months and months and months. Seth Rollins has been doing, outside of Raynor, has been doing the best character work in all professional wrestling. What he did and what he pulled off with Dominic on on Sunday was impressive. I've already been a big fan of Seth Rollins beforehand, but watching what he did with Dominic in that match on Sunday even made me a bigger Seth Rollins fan. Another impressive performance for Dominic with that being his first match. Obviously, you get your kinks out of the way along the road, more practice reps, all that good stuff. We all know he doesn't have enough experience with that yet. But you can see good things in Dominic. Facial expressions, selling, a concept that doesn't exist in 2020 anymore. He's a good athlete, too. And the story that they told in the match is what really stood out to me watching this match, transcribing this match. And I was telling uh, Michael Jeremy, because I watched these pay-per-views with him at his house, right? So I saw him at, like, look at that. Like, they mentioned it earlier in the show. Hey, Dad, I don't need you to fight my battles. I'm going to take this beating like a man. And Rod's egging him on. And to the point you bring Angie out, and then Ron's starting to attack Angie. And you're seeing a fire from Dominic and him channeling a second gear. I don't know how you could have a better debut than what they pulled off of that, even in a loss. There's different ways you can evaluate debuts. I was there for Ronda Rousey's in-ring debut at WrestleMania 34. Awesome. She did a wonderful job. One of the best matches from WrestleMania 34, right? Compare what she did to what Dominic did, it's just two different aspects. Because Ronda's match wasn't based on storytelling. It was just what she did 
her action in the ring. It was just the aura going into it. What would Ronda Rousey look inside the WWE ring? That was the story there. This match, <laughs> for being Dominic's debut, has had almost a year build into it where Seth Rollins, after Survivor Series in Chicago, the Monday night I was at the show, had a Tom Hall meeting that said that Rey Mysterio cared more about his winning the WWE title and the stupid stun than the greater good of Monday Night Raw. And that's where the Monday Night Messiah began. And the story writes itself in there. We had the matches with Kevin Owens. We go to the the matches in the program and yeah, with Rey Mysterio and the whole eye for an eye thing. And then Dominic gets involved. Do you see him getting beat up with lashes and kendo sticks and just kicking the kid's ass? Uh, maybe a little over the top of the kendo stick shots, but <laughs> still, like, Dominic was going into his first match with a full-blown story arc going into there. And what other stories that could come out of this? And I really think that Dominic really um, held himself to a good standard and I was really happy for him, happy for his family, happy for Seth Rollins to showcase the world that a guy who came from Ring of Honor can tell a good story in a ring. Seth Rollins is the man. And I keep saying that on Twitter, people got to put respect on the dude's name. He's just a wonderful wrestler to watch. And he's just, I'm a big fan of his and, Big props to Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio for what they did. I, I love the match. Uh, it, for me, that was my favorite match of the show was Dominic and um, Rey Mysterio. So, yeah, Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins. So, awesome match. And then, by the way, for if, there, if there's any thoughts you had on SummerSlam, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You can respond here in the comment section on YouTube or on the review section on Apple Podcasts. So let, let me know. What did you think? about SummerSlam this year. Let's get into the main event. Bray Wyatt against um, Braun Strowman, the, uh, the Fiend versus Braun Strowman in a false Count Anywhere match for the WWE Universal Championship. So <laughs> we see the part where Braun Strowman starts cutting up the ring, right? Anytime I start seeing people cut out the ring, it always reminds me of Bully Ray in uh, Impact when he was a world champion. He was cutting the ring in half and pile driving Sting on wooden boards and stuff. <laughs> Man, it's, those spots are always nasty. But you know what? I thought for the match, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, I didn't. I want to say this was my favorite match of the show, but I thought uh, Bray and Braun did a real good job of their match. The thing with this match is that yet a match with two guys who didn't need the title in the first place. These dudes have a psychological history with each other, and they're having a psychological feud. The title along the way is just a prop. It's a necessity. Braun Strowman does not need a world championship to justify his character or his ability as a superstar. Neither does the Fiend as a gimmick, he does not need a world championship. The tagline for SummerSlam this year is called You'll Never See It Coming. We saw The Fiend beating Braun Strowman. We all saw it, right? What we didn't see was the return 
of the big dog, the big dog of the World Wrestling Federation. I'm an optimistic person. I'm an optimistic person. And I think there is some light in the end of the tunnel, hopefully, for this year that we could get some sense of normalcy. But in the midst of everything going on with the police brutality and everything going on, to have a cool moment like that where Roman Reigns, where in the, when you least expect it, came back and returned at the end of SummerSlam and caused pure and utter chaos to close the show on Sunday was awesome. I was pumped, man. <laughs> it's it's very rare, man, where so many times that I watch the wrestling show, even if I'm not doing the transcript live, there's times, folks, where I watch shows twice throughout the week that I'll watch it live and then I'll do the transcript just to gain a different perspective and context with it, right? So I, I really I really invest a lot of time into studying professional wrestling. And a lot of times when I'm watching a show, I'm just thinking about the moves and how I would transcribe it, right? And then it takes certain moments, it takes certain things to really get the fan, the, the fan element to come out of me. And I got really excited to see Roman. And I was really, I really was excited to see Roman back because I'm a big fan of him as a performer and as a person. And he has this new T-shirt called "Wreck Everyone and Leave." Uh, we find out on Payback that they're going to have a triple threat match, a no holds bar match for the Universal Title, defeating, defending against Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. I'm happy the Big Dog's back. He is the guy. He is the guy. And for and for good reason. And you could tell that SmackDown was missing that buzz since Roman was gone. And it's a great thing for the SmackDown brand, too. What he did at SummerSlam would give you a reason to tune into what happens on Friday night. Not only do we have to figure out what, what the rest of this payback card is going to be on Sunday, but... You got you got to hear from Roman Reigns now. Why is he back? And what's his attention? And it's very interesting. I'm really intrigued. What where they're gonna go here? Because this feud, this match coming up on Sunday, can really tell the future of what's gonna happen with the SmackDown brand. So, yeah, you <laughs> you didn't see it coming. Roman Reigns is back to close out. A really, really fun SummerSlam show, in my opinion. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, let's see. Well, someone had to mention really quick. Okay, let me let me get to this really quick before I get to uh, the plugs and stuff for AEW and New Japan and all that stuff. Ah, uh, man. All right. I promise I wasn't going to have a full rage rant today, but I had to mention this. Okay, Keith Lee music change. And his ring gear change. He made his debut on Monday Night Raw uh, this past Monday night, right? Keith Lee gets thrust into a feud with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Keith Lee is friends with Drew McIntyre. And Drew McIntyre got basically bollywopped on Monday Monday night by Randy Orton. So in his place, Keith Lee will fight Randy Orton at Payback. 
And all everybody wants to talk about is them changing his theme song and his ring gear that didn't even look that bad, to be honest with you. I tell you guys each and every single week that us wrestling fans make wrestling less enjoyable. All for the dumbest semantical reasons that in the long run, in the big picture of what they're going for in a lot of these shows, not just WWE, a lot of these other shows, it's just minuscule at the end of the day. Did Jinder Mahal win a title because he had a badass theme song? An entrance? No. It's not the 80s where your entrance or your theme song gets you over and you're the shits in the ring. The ultimate story goes into the ring. I didn't see a character change. I didn't see Keith Lee say something that sounded stupid. Okay. He didn't he didn't wrestle with his nipples out and he had a new theme song. And really that's what we're gonna cry about. That's the hill you're gonna die on this week. Oh my god, they're already burying him. He they buried him at takeover. Oh, they buried him on Monday Night Raw, even though he didn't lose a match. I can't believe that much of discussion in Bitrol went over that song. It's a good song. If you hate the new song so fucking bad, here's the simple solution. Mute the TV because you mute it all the other times where you don't want to listen to the commentary. You're just watching the match. Hell, most of the time you guys are not even watching the show because you're letting freaking Twitter dictate your thoughts in the fucking show in the first place. How about that? Take that. I didn't know a damn theme song was going to make it break Keith Lee's career. A guy is having a match on a freaking pay-per-view on Sunday against Randy Orton. The guy who's probably the hottest character in all professional wrestling right now. In his first actual debut pay-per-view match. And you guys want to talk about theme songs. Same promo. Greeting salutations, the whole same Keith Lee character telling Ranor in the basket in his glory. And a, 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 a tweet to his theme song that lasts 25 seconds is really going to change your perspective on his career trajectory or the age old, oh, he's from NXT, he was over there, so that means he's going to be a flop on Raw and SmackDown. Yes, are there examples that characters from NXT did not work out on Raw and SmackDown? Yes. It's not an exact science to think that every time somebody who's over in NXT means they're automatically going to translate on another level. Just like somebody getting released from WWE doesn't mean they're going to make a major impact in other wrestling promotions, and I got another wrestling promotion to prove that in a couple minutes. I always say, man, pick and choose the hill you want to die on wisely because the guy literally is fighting Randy Orton on a pay-per-view on Sunday, and you guys are having a hissy fit over the fact 
that Keith Lee's song had a tweak of it and it only lasts 20 seconds. If those lyrics going after, oh, bass in the glory and the boom, like, pull up the fucking song on your YouTube app. Pull, pull it up on your phone like this or your laptop. It didn't take away my thoughts on him. His ringer didn't distract me from what he was doing in the ring. This is the part of wrestling that takes the fun out of it. We try to act like we're in fucking boardrooms and we're all creative experts, but we're not. A 20-second twitch of Keith Lee's music does not dictate what his career trajectory is going to be. We got to choose better hills to die on, folks. Honestly. I didn't know a music was going to make or break a person's career. Holy shit, man. Petitions. I'm seeing this report on Twitter. Oh, there's a petition for Keith Lee's music to be changed. Okay, uh, just like you, I have a good musical ear too. I, I didn't think the song was awesome or anything like that. But that's not the point of why we watch wrestling. What do you do in the ring? That's professional wrestling. Man. Man, 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 man. I don't even know what to say, man. Get on a fucking soapbox over a damn theme song. A theme song. And a tweak for it for 20 seconds. Ah, man. All right. Let's get to other crazy stuff that we got to get to. Here we go. This is What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Brought to you by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Alright, this week's edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW this week brought to you by Jim Cornette Experience and Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to let us know what you think what the hell is wrong AEW, always open to suggestions. As always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get podcasts from. Leave us a four or five star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. This is the most requested segment of all professional wrestling what the hell is wrong with AEW? We had a <laughs> this week is a good week to have it. We're giving you two versions of what the hell is wrong with AEW. Brother Carter handled the TNT title portion of it. I'm handling the rest of it for you guys. So <sighs> all right. We'll start off with this. The beginning of the show. You have FTR in a pretty solid match with Private Party, right? They have their show on Saturday, Saturday Night Dynamite, due to the NBA playoffs and their uh, a lot of time on TNT. And um, 
I thought the match was solid, but here's the problem here. Everything they've done with FTR since they've joined AW has sucked, <laughs> in my opinion. The tag team appreciation bit where they're all kissing each other's ass um, did absolutely nothing for me. I didn't care for it. And then you pop up and show a uh, TNT, and you already have Tully Blanchard in a custom-made FTR uh, jersey or whatever the fuck he was wearing. And, okay, now FTR is being managed by Tully Blanchard. For weeks, we've been hearing hoverings about a new Four Horsemen faction run by Cody Rhodes. Already, we have FTR with Tully Blanchard. And by the way, a quick takeaway of what the hell is wrong with AEW. Just like WCW, you don't need a wrestling company with 10 factions with it. And and New Japan makes this mistake as well, so I'm not just only including uh, AEW in this mix. No, th- like you watch this whole show is faction on faction on faction on faction on faction. Was that the only matches that Tony Khan wrote in his little notebook as a kid? It's just faction matches. 12 man tag, 8 man tag, 16 man tag match, gauntlet match. I don't know who was more tag team wrestling, Teddy Long or Tony Khan. Holy shit. You start off your show with three straight tag team matches. Now, I'll give you props. FTR and Pride Party, that was a good match. Now we get into this much show fest. Eight-man tag. We got Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers against Jurassic Bungle Express and the Natural Nightmares. An eight-man tag team clusterfuck. Just uh, same thing I say all the time with these multi-person tag team matches, where there's no psychology being told, no stories being told. Referees are made to look made are made to look stupid, and the sucky part is every time this happens, there are performers in the ring that I actually like. I like Butcher and the Blade. I think they're a great tag team. I like Lucha Brothers, but here's the difference: I like them as singles competitors. And then you have you have Dino Douche and Wannabe Yum Buck, uh, Jungle Boy. And then you got fucking Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall that nobody gets two shits about. This random-ass match that means absolutely nothing. These teams didn't fight with each other. This wasn't the match that I saw in AEW Dark that was valid enough for me to for it to be in a match on Dynamite. Guys, this is not dark. You can't be booking matches that qualify for AEW Dark when you have a two-hour allotted time slot on TNT. You got to maximize your TV time. This match sucked. It went way too long. It served no purpose for anybody. You have Eddie Kingston come out and randomly talk about how all these guys were in uh, the indies, and that's why we should just be a group with each other. I like Eddie Kingston. But it's just like, why are you out there? You weren't there before where Butcher and Blade and Lucha Brothers were shoving each other before? Now you care? It's just stupid. <laughs> it's storytelling one-on-one. Like, like I was talking about with Hoodie. FCR rushing already into uh, being managed by Tully Blanchard. No promo. We, we wait after the match to have a 
an interview in the locker room with Alex Marvez to tell him why Tully Blanchard is their manager. It's just not good TV formatting. And you never start a wrestling show with three straight tag team matches. At least the match with FTR and Private Party were good. And then you get to the Elite, which they had the song that Bret Carter hates. And then they fight the freaking job squad from the Dark Order. You got Alex Reynolds and John Silver. By the way, a lot of positive note, even though this is what the hell is wrong with AEW. John Silver is really funny on BT. I'll, I'll say that. Beside that, but you have Alex Reynolds, John Silver with their 2-8 and eight record. You got fucking Allen Five Angels <laughs> against the Elite. In this, another match that went way too long and served no purpose. The fact that you needed John Silver and Alex Reynolds and Allen Five Angels to make the best wrestler in the world snap, it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. Not as embarrassing as having your world champion being on the Wrestling Observer. (laughs) That's another show for another time and another example why John Moxley is not my champion. Use the hashtag NotMyChampion, hashtag MJF2020. I hope MJF whoops his ass at All Out. I really do. I hope that happens. What else happened on this uh, juggle of fest? Oh. <laughs> God forbid, I, got, I, can't, I can't forget the main event, right? Brody Lee is now your new TNT champion. The best part of the beatdown of the whole Nightmare family to close out the show was seeing Anna Jane. That's it. God, that woman's fucking hot, by the way. <laughs> wee That woman is beautiful. I love me some Anna Jay. That girl is super, super hot. Uh, wonderful, water, wonderful, wonderful waterfall. Yes. <laughs> so I, I thought for a Saturday Night Dynamite show, you know, you could probably request you. AEW does get some good viewers weekly and consistently. I'll give them that. But as a show, their Saturday Night show was a complete and other mud show. From top to bottom. There was some good stuff here in between. I, I liked the brawl with Matt Hardy and Sam Guevara. I thought that was fine. But the rest of it sucked. <laughs> I, I, I'm not enjoying these shows. It's not entertaining me. It's not something that I'm clamoring for. None of it is must-see to me. And that's my problem with AEW. Because anything I see on their show, I can see in any other wrestling promotion around the world. And this is the company that calls itself All Elite Wrestling. Their wrestling is so elite that it's above anything else you guys watch, right? You know, that that's the issue. They call itself All Elite Wrestling, but they don't have all elite standards in how they handle their business. So... The last thing I want to mention here for this segment is what I saw on Tuesday night. I love wrestling. I love wrestling just as much as you guys. There was a 13-match card on AEW Dark this week on YouTube. I cover all the shows that AEW produces every single week. And this is the come for the guy who hates AEW. I don't hate AEW. I want it to succeed. I just want to see some better programming. And a race for me to watch their show. It's not, I'm not asking for much. They put up 13 matches that you can see on Velocity, Main Event, Superstars, Shotgun Saturday Night, 
any of the other shows you want to bring up from the past, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, anything, the Thunder, uh, Explosion from TNA. 13 matches of nonsense. The only good match that I enjoyed on this show from Tuesday was Frankie Kazarian against Kip Sabian. Solid match. It should have been the main event of the show. But for the life of me, I don't know who in the hell would ever want to watch a match with Jake Hager and Stunted Growth. I don't know anybody on God's green earth that would want to watch or sit through that. Not one person. Watching that match with Jake Hager and Marco Stunt made me lose all suspicion of disbelief with pro wrestling. It was embarrassing. I don't take Jake Hager seriously. I never have. I never will. Marco Stunt, Stunted Growth, I'm not a fan. Obviously, those who watch or listen to the show every single week know that. But holy shit, man. This... (laughs) It, it, it was definitely it was definitely dark. I'll give you that. Uh, dark is the color of shit. That's what dark was this week. And I'm not that big of a fan of Vader Scott on commentary. I'll just throw that out there as well. So with that all being said, <laughs> as I haven't railed on this show enough, don't forget you got Dynamite tomorrow uh, tonight, actually, as I'm recording this on a Thursday. We'll have a new edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW next week. Uh, at this time, I'll give you both reviews from the show for tonight and uh, coming up next Wednesday, it'll be back to the regular schedule time, which will be the go home show for all out. So next week, you're getting all your full of AW coverage and we got to make predictions and stuff for all out as well. So um, next week will be a big week for that. And we can get into some more positive stuff, hopefully, and excited to see what they do with AEW Dynamite tonight as well on TNT. Like I said, I don't hate AEW. I want it to succeed. But, God, they make a lot of stupid decisions. On that note, that's been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We don't care about women's wrestling. Bum, bum. You're right, JR, pal. <laughs> All right, folks. I want to thank you guys so much for taking your time to come on here and hang out with me for this past hour and a half. I want to thank you all for the support. Each and every single week, you guys are awesome. I want to thank you for the support, not only of this podcast, but also the ProRessetranscriptions.com. Make sure to bookmark that website. I've been really busy this week with New Japan content. Uh, Their Summer Struggle series is coming to an end this Saturday. A big stadium show taking place in Jinju Stadium uh, out there in the, the land of the rising sun. A uh, big stadium show with fans in, in the attendance. I'm looking forward to how this event goes off. Without a hitch, we got matches announced of Master Wato against uh, Yoshinobu Kamara from Suzuki Gun. Suzuki against Takagi for the Never Openweight title. That's going to be a barn burner. Uh, you have uh, Bushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, hopefully for the last time, fighting Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi for the IWGP. Heavyweight tag team titles. 
Hiromo Takahashi against uh, Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Also, you have Okada against Desperado, uh, Sonata, and Toriano. It's a four-way match for the KLPW title. And then finally, the main event would be Evil putting both the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships on the line against Tessa Unida in a match taking place in the main event for the Jinju Stadium show. So I'm really excited to see where they, where they go here for New Japan. Shout out to Kenta for becoming the winner of the 2020 USA version of the New Japan Cup, defeating David Finley in a very fun episode of NJPW Strong, which you check out on Friday nights on NJPW World. Really enjoyed that as well. Uh, same thing applies with Kenta. Hashtag not my champion. Hashtag Kenta 2020. Get the top, get all titles off of John Moxley now, sooner rather than later. And the more positive note, I want to say thank you to Renee Young and everything she did and what she brought to WWE. A beautiful woman with a beautiful soul and a beautiful spirit. She'll be definitely missed. I I loved her work. The sky's the limit for her, as we talked about last week with Matt and. I'm really excited to see her future. Uh, she had a wonderful one with the WWE and see her gaining emotional and seeing her, uh, seeing the goodbye messages to her on the bump. The other day was really emotional to watch and um, you'll be missed Renee. Uh, she's one of the best broadcasters in the world and more importantly, one of the best people in the world. And I just want to say thank you for this wrestling fan from Chicago. Thank you for what you brought to the wrestling business. So thank you very much, Renee. I know we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I want to say thank you again for supporting the show. You can follow me on Twitter at the Who's Podcast. I'm on Instagram, Joshy Lopez94. Don't forget, as we record these shows every single week, let us know what you think, positively or negative. Uh, leave us a four or five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe to the shows on Spotify or anywhere you get your podcast from. Make sure to check me out on TWT next uh, Tuesday. And also, make sure to check me out this weekend. I'm going to be a guest on the TVD Wrestling Podcast with Matt, Matt, a.k.a. Mitchell McMule, and referee Tony S. So, for Brother Carter, I'm the nefarious Bert Adam. Thank you guys so much for checking out episode 220 of the Hoots Podcast. Don't forget, payback coming up this Sunday. I promised you guys this. I was going to close this off. Okay? Matt Riddle, King Corbin. Sasha Banks, Bailey against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Roman Reigns, feed the feed, Braun for the Universal Title. You have uh, Keith Lee against Randy Orton. Don't forget, probably having our match with Street Profits and Angel Garza and Andrade and Almas. Probably see a match with Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles. And if I had to add another one, probably the Big E against the Miz. So those are the matches I expect to see at Payback. I'll have that coverage for you guys on Sunday for ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Don't forget, be the authentic product that is yourself. I love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy Payback. And now it's time for the Thoughts of Derrico with the one and only, the nefarious, director of operations himself, Brother Carter. Love you guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. And now, the thoughts of Derrico.
Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the most refreshing and optimistic part of your week. It is the thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. It's been a crazy week, uh, both in the real world and in the world of professional wrestling. And this week's edition of the Thoughts of Derrico is going to be a WWE-only edition. Believe me, I will get to AEW, or you've probably already heard my thoughts on AEW in a different segment. So I'm going to be focusing on WWE this week. Really enjoyed SummerSlam overall. I thought that every match on the card was great. The in-ring action was just wonderful. And I thought that all of the performers in every single match brought it, had great storytelling. I I really enjoyed it. I I look at the card and I look at the review and I can't think of a match that I didn't like on the card. And I didn't, and that I thought didn't bring something unique to the table. So I thought everything was was absolutely terrific. There's a few big things that I want to hit on and just and just give my thoughts on. Obviously the biggest story that comes out of SummerSlam is the fact that Roman Reigns is back out of nowhere. I definitely wasn't expecting it. I'd kind of I hadn't forgot about Roman Reigns, but in the back of my mind I just you know, when it's out of sight, out of mind, right? So I hadn't thought about Roman Reigns for a long time. He came back, speared the fiend, that was awesome. I popped from my couch I'm sure a lot of people did too, so I thought that was absolutely terrific. We'll see what happens this weekend at Payback, which I'm going to get into my predictions. Yes, for Payback here in just a little bit. And I think that you, well, again, I'll get into that in just a little bit, but I'm beyond happy to see Roman Reigns back. It means that he feels that his health is okay, feels the health of his family is okay. So that's awesome. So, so happy to see Roman Reigns back, and I know he's going to keep kicking ass at a time when WWE needs him to keep kicking ass. One of the other things that I'll say about SummerSlam that didn't really surprise me, but was a wonderful takeaway, Dominic Mysterio was a star in the making. For his first match, I thought he did great. He sold very well. Obviously, you can tell he's green, and he's young, and hasn't quite evolved into a full-out, you know, WWE superstar and is not at the elite level that the elite talents are at. And I use the word elite in a positive sense in this way. But, um, (laughs) sorry, anytime I say the word elite, I have to make sure that I understand that I mean elite in the best possible sense of the word. But I think that for his first match, Dominic Mysterio brought it, and it was absolutely terrific. I was really happy to see him. He sold well. He took good bumps. Now, granted, he was in there with Seth Rollins that made him look like a million bucks. And I've said that many times on this show before, that Seth Rollins was going to make him look like a million bucks. But he still has to bring it. He still has to be the other competitor in the ring and do the moves and sell and take good bumps and all that stuff. And he did that. So I was pleasantly surprised with Dominic Mysterio. I think that was some proper training. He's going to be a superstar. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him. I think they continued with that on Raw. And in the tag team match with Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy, him teaming with his dad, of course. So I think you need to look out for Dominic Mysterio. He's going to be around for a while, and it's very, very, very exciting to see. The last thing I'll say uh, before we get into payback is I was actually really happy to see a different side of Mandy Rose. And she's really starting to get out that aggressive side of her, which I thought was great. Again, the match itself was okay. 
It wasn't great. I know why they changed it. Obviously, Sonia Deville has gone through a lot, and she's having to do some time in court and all that kind of good stuff. So she need to, to her have her head shaved might not be the best plan of action when she's having to deal with the unfortunate crap that she had to deal with from that stalker. And I just, I just, I just, my heart goes out to her. That's just awful. I do not wish that upon anybody. That's just awful. And I know that she's going to come back and is going to kick some serious ass. I hope that both of them go on to to great things, to chasing after titles. I hope, I believe that Mandy Rose needs to be the next challenger for Bailey in the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then when Sonya Deville comes back, she can either, either resume her feud with Mandy Rose, but I'd like to see her go to Raw and to start kicking ass over there and start challenging Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship or whoever is the champion by that point. But really happy to see a different side of Mandy Rose, and I think that she's really starting to come into her own which is absolutely terrific. Okay, I actually want to pivot gears right now. Since we do have a pay-per-view, I'm recording this on a Thursday morning. We do have a pay-per-view in three days, even though we just had one four days ago. But we're going to have another one, and payback is going to be here. And I'm just going to give my quick predictions on the matches that we know as of this point. First off, you've got United States Champion Apollo Crews taking on Bobby Lashley, another member of the Hurt Business. Once again, I think Apollo Crews is going to retain his title here. I see no reason for him to drop the title at this point. I figured if he was going to drop it, he'd drop it to MVP. But I feel he's going to continue his battle with the Hurt Business. I don't know where each of them goes from here. But I think it's going to be another good match, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. Keith Lee made his debut on Raw this week. I was really happy to see Keith Lee. By the way, folks, so he changed his music slightly. So what? It doesn't mean he's not a badass. Now, that doesn't mean that a music can't make a superstar. And I feel that with Shinsuke Nakamura, that's certainly been the case. I hated that they changed his theme song because it was one of the most over-theme songs in the company. But, so they slightly changed Keith Lee's theme music. Big deal, guys. It doesn't mean he's not a badass in everything that he does. That being said, um, I, I kind of go back and forth on this. I feel like... He, Randy Orton has to get the win here. Well, that's not necessarily true. I think that Drew McIntyre could come out and cause a disqualification. Either way, I think Randy Orton's going to get the win here because if they're going to continue his feud with Drew McIntyre, he needs to look strong. But at the same time, you don't want to bury Keith Lee either. So I think somehow Randy Orton's going to get the win. Maybe it can be a disqualification from Drew McIntyre to not make Keith Lee look so bad. So... I think Randy Orton's going to win, get the win. I think it's going to be by disqualification. But either way, I'm really happy that Keith Lee is getting a shot at one of the best of all time because Keith Lee is the man, and he's got a lot to bring to the table. You've got the Women's Tag Team Championship match. You've got Sasha, uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks defending against Ni- uh, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And I can't... I get why they're doing the pairing of Shayna and Nia. I think that uh, the Golden Role Models are going to retain the tag team titles here. No reason to take them off them, especially with what great work they've been doing. And this is going to lead to a Shayna Baszler-Nia Jax feud at some point. And then Asuka can defend against one of them, or maybe both of them. I don't know. But I don't see a reason for Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax to be the SmackDown Women's Tag Team Champions because, you know, I think that they're... So you if, if you give them the titles, then that takes them away from their focus on Asuka and the Raw Women's Championship. So I think Bayley and Sasha retain here, but... It's, I think it's going to be a good match, and we'll see what the returning Nia Jax can do in the ring. 
And then finally, as again, as right now, there could be more matches that are announced later. I've heard that The Miz may take on Big E, and I'd love to see that again. If that happens, I say Big E's going to get the win there again because Miz doesn't need it. But I don't know what else is going to happen at Payback. We'll probably see more matches announced from the SmackDown brand tomorrow evening on SmackDown. Again, I'm recording this on a Thursday, so we'll see what happens. But you've got The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, defending against Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman in a no-holds-barred triple threat match. I gotta say The Fiend retains here because then Roman Reigns will get his one-on-one match with, you know, maybe if have, I see, I don't know, because maybe you, I, I, this is ultimately going to lead to Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns winning the Universal Championship, I believe, and maybe it's because Braun Strowman interferes and that, that continues the Bray Wyatt-Braun Strowman feud, I don't know. I think Roman Reigns gets the win here. I'm sorry, I think Bray Wyatt gets the win here. It's 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 safe for him to get the win in a triple threat match. It doesn't make him look weak, but it also doesn't make the other performers look weak either. But got to say that Bray Wyatt retains here, and then that eventually will lead to Roman Reigns versus The Fiend, with Roman Reigns once again becoming the Universal Champion, which was the plan all along from WrestleMania when he was going to take on Goldberg. It's just now coming to fruition. That is my predictions for Payback. That has been the thoughts of Derrico this week. In closing... I just want to say this. There's a lot of shit going on in the world right now with the coronavirus pandemic and, and everything that's happening um, with, with the NBA and, and the, the so, social justice moving, movements that we are seeing right now. All I will say is this. Take care of each other. Love each other. Wear your masks. We're going to get through all of this and be stronger as a society in the end. And I truly believe that. Take care, everyone. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you guys soon. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Okay, I'm going to talk about the TNT Championship this week. So basically, you've got this guy, Cody, who they're basically, the company has basically been saying, oh, you know, the TNT Championship is more important than our world champion, which let's be honest, that's what they're doing. They're they're touting the TNT Championship as this, you know, the elite title of the brand. Oh yeah, John Moxley's our world champion, should be the face of the company. But Cody... Defends the title every week, gets main event spots, opening contest spots, the two most important spots of any program, by and large, every single week. And they're touting them as the savior. This is his, you know, he this is his company and blah, 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 which is true. And then you have Brody, the leader of this faction, which has not been working, which is a complete disaster in the Dark Order. Come in and squash Cody, and he's your new TNT champion? I mean, really? He couldn't even, you know, this this guy who's supposed they're putting all this uh, they're putting all of their efforts into the dark the dark order, and then all of a sudden he comes in and completely squashes and you know struggled in his world title match with John Moxley, comes in and squashes Cody, and now he's the TNT champion. So you're telling me you're not going to give opportunities to the younger guys? And I know MJF has taken on John Moxley, and that's great. But guys like Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, 
all these young upstart talents. Instead, you're going to give it to a guy whose run in AEW has been a complete disaster? What the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW.